From the KTO of Newsroom in Juneau, I'm Yvonne Cremery. Good afternoon. Juneau restaurant Black Moon Coven, known for its bone broth soup and witchy decor, closed last week after two and a half years. Its owner is training to become a death doula, someone who provides emotional and spiritual support at the end of life. KTO's Katie Anastas has more. Three years ago, Ames Villanueva Alf was out for a run in downtown Juneau when she saw a small restaurant space for rent on Seward Street. Its walls were painted what she called bumblebee yellow. And I peered in this window and immediately could just see, even though like there was like blinding yellow, I could see and envision this. That vision was a dark but cozy nook adorned with taxidermy and skulls, with coffins and three-eyed cats painted on black walls. She called it Black Moon Coven. When somebody is walking past the window, they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if you're going to go in there and get a curse. They don't know if you're going to get some hexing. They don't know. Yeah, I just wanted it to be very obscure because I wanted them to be curious enough to just risk it and then maybe get a bond mate. Black Moon Coven opened in April 2021, offering sweet and savory waffles for breakfast and sandwiches and noodles for lunch. Last week, it closed. Starting next month, Villanueva Alf will train to become a death and grief doula. Before Black Moon, she spent five years running Gonzo, a restaurant in Ock Bay. That place was really loud just when you walked in and very vibrant. And, um, you know, that was where I spent all of my energy and all of my time. She closed Gonzo in 2020 after she was assaulted there. I had a lot of friends that have had restaurants and have had um, people that have violated them, but like not in this way. So it just felt really lonely. Villanueva Alf went into what she called a cocooning phase. She signed a lease for the new space downtown. She invited friends to paint ghosts and coffins on the walls. She collected taxidermy. I wanted to bring in that aspect of like basically memento mori, you know, remember your mortality. The first thing she cooked in her new kitchen was bone broth, honing her recipe to make the flavors even deeper. Black Moon Coven offered bone broth seasoned with ginger, garlic, scallions, and cilantro meant to be sipped. Around the time she opened Black Moon, Villanueva Alf started studying yoga, sound healing, and spiritual psychology. A question from one of her instructors led her to her next move, becoming a death doula. And it was, if you could be something for yourself when you were a child— what would you be? What would you need? And can you bring that out right now? And I was thinking about how badly I would have wanted somebody to explain grief to me. Now she wants to help people at the end of their lives and their loved ones experience death and grief in a healthy way. I want to give people life recipes for how to suffer well. For now, she's grieving the closure of Black Moon Coven. She'd spent the last few days gifting decorations to friends and her staff of seven. Pretty soon, it would be time to paint the black walls white. Still, Villanueva Alf says closing Black Moon feels better than closing Gonzo. It's on her own terms, out of excitement for the future rather than ties to the past. In Juneau, I'm Katie Anastas. Each year, many places in Alaska are seeing their first frost come later and later. The longer-growing season could allow Alaska farmers to grow crops that were once rare in Alaska, but other changes brought on by climate change will cause new farming challenges. KTO's Anna Canny has the story. In October, 
Fall gives way to winter across much of Alaska. At Calypso Farm, Tom Zimmer has just wrapped up for the season. We're up in Fairbanks. We've probably got six, seven inches of snow on the ground. In the barn he's calling from, there are bunches of dried flowers and white mesh bags suspended from the ceiling. We have everything harvested. Everything's in the root cellar. And you can see behind me uh, those paint bags uh, drying seeds. Zimmer and his wife have run their small organic farm since 2000. They're one of relatively few farms in Alaska. Historically, the state's cool temperatures and short growing seasons have allowed for hardy crops like carrots and cabbage. But not much else. That could change. Human-caused climate change is bringing hotter summer days that linger later in the year. And that could allow Alaska farmers and gardeners to produce more diverse produce. But not everything thrives. This year, we had excellent green beans, amazing cauliflower. But other crops bolted. It was too hot. But on the nearby experiment farm at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, warming conditions have helped researcher Glenna Gannon grow some fruits and vegetables for the first time. We're successfully able to grow things like artichokes and field-grown tomatoes and peppers and corn um, here in Fairbanks now. I don't think 30 or even 10 years ago that would have been successful. At the farm, nine of the 10 latest first frosts on record have occurred since 2001. And according to university climate researcher Nancy Fresco, that pattern will likely continue. We're anticipating continued increases in the actual length of the growing season, but also in the cumulative heat across the growing season. Warm weather-loving crops like tomatoes and corn have been hard to grow in Alaska without the help of greenhouses. But now they have a better chance to ripen in the field. Even cold-tolerant species like Brussels sprouts may fare better. They take a relatively long time to mature, so farmers and gardeners in Alaska have risked losing their sprouts to frost and snow before they're ready to harvest. Theoretically, climate change could help. But climate models don't capture everything. There are some really important factors about what can grow um, that are particular to Alaska, that are challenging in Alaska, and that we haven't yet had a chance to model. Permafrost is one factor. It can affect soil temperature and moisture. And as it thaws, it can destabilize soils. Then there are the long hours of summer sun. Some crops just can't tolerate that much light. Even as atmospheric conditions become more favorable, farmers will still have to contend with those things. And Zimmer says he also worries that climate change will make weather more erratic. Yes, frost-free days are increasing, but the instability of the climate is making it probably more difficult to farm. And Gannon at the experiment farm said that while warm weather crops are becoming more possible, they might not always be reliable. We might have the ability to have a much greater breadth of what we grow here, um, but I still just want to plant the seed of caution that anyone who's going out to grow their garden or plant their farm, um, you know, they're still in Alaska. She said one of the best ways to promote resilient farming under climate change is to embrace a diversity of crops. And you know, I'm Anna Canny. The native village of Karluk on Kodiak Island went viral this summer for an ad offering cost-free living in an effort to reopen its school. But just a month after classes started, that school is closing again. KMXT's Brian Venois reports the school student enrollment is back down to just two kids after both families chosen to move there left the village. The decision to close the school was unanimous at an emergency school board meeting on Monday night. Cindy Mecca is the Kodiak Island Borough School District Superintendent. 
it's a sad day when you have to close a school. Um, and it's not anything that I ever wanted to do in my tenure. And it's nothing that I want to ever repeat again. So it, it weighs heavy on your heart when you have to close a school. Reopening the school was a huge effort for all the parties involved. Carlock, on the southwest end of Kodiak Island, had just a few dozen year-round residents, with only two of them being school-age kids. The village advertised free living expenses for two families to move there over the summer because the state requires 10 students to be enrolled in order to receive funding. The ad worked. Two families with eight kids between them moved to Carlock in September, and the district's Board of Education voted to reopen the facility. But as of Monday, both of the new families had left Carlick. A representative for the tribal council said in an email it was a blow to the community. She said, quote, It's so disappointing. We thought we picked the right families. The Wilkinsons were one of the families chosen to fly to the village. When reached via social media, they said they were back in Kentucky but had no comment at this time. Mika says the district will continue to support the kids still in Carlick even though the school is closing. We'll be transitioning those students and and providing them education via our AK Teach Homeschool and Correspondence Program. She says part of that support will be to offer counseling as needed and provide some internet connection as well. October is when the Alaska Department of Education and Early Development does a headcount of students for funding, but since the families left before the count was finished, Mika says it's unlikely the district will be able to recuperate the investment the district made to open the school. We didn't make it through the count. That's predominantly the reason why, that is really solely the only reason why we are closing. Between renovating the building so a teacher could live there and getting curriculum and tech supplies to the village and now getting those supplies back, the district is out about $80,000 in an already tight budget. The district is currently working with the state to try and get prorated funding for serving the 10 students for the weeks they stayed in the village, but otherwise that money will have to come out of the district's fund balance or savings account. Mecca said the school district's next steps will be to give the Carlick facility back to the borough. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Benoit. This is KTOO.